of this crazy looking fish-like gargantuan creature. It looks like it's gonna be massive. Wait, what's that little speck in front of the lower one? Oh, that's it. That's a humanoid. That's a person. That's a freaking person. That's like a zit on its chin, a really bad zit on its chin. That's what that is. <laughs> that's what you are. And he's gonna pop you out in the open water. Probably could have been a better reference, but I'm sorry. That's tiny. As they paced around the outskirts of the ruined city, the Pathfinder noticed massive bones, most of which seemed to be buried in the land. The bones rose, arching from one ruined building to the next. Facing the behemoths of the apocalypse came at a heavy cost, yet no tales were known of any who survived their onslaught. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders, your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I'm your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg. I'm joined today by a returning Pathfinder who is Daedalus. Welcome back, buddy. Hello, everyone. And uh, before we dig in too far today, we're going to have a light show. I know it's Easter, right? So today is probably going to be a bit of a light show. But, you know, as always, we stay the course, come hell or high water, unless it's absolutely unavoidable for some reason. And Easter is not enough of a reason for this guy. So with that being said, uh, before we dig in, got to give a shout out to the home of this podcast over at asheshq.com, the community curated website for Ashes of Creation. Also shout out to all of the Imperial Flames, which are the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. Thank you so much for keeping this community's flames bolstering greater week after week. Now, if you want to show some love to this show, you can go over to the pinned tweet, pinned right at the top of our um, at Ashes Pathfinder on Twitter. Go over there, go to that pinned post. You'll see our iTunes link, specifically that one I want to promote. Because if you go over there and you give us a five-star review, leave a comment, I will read that here um, live on the show. Um, aside from that, you can uh, show your support by going over to Patreon and uh, you know subscribing over there. I'm actually getting ready to rework it, make it a little bit more specific to um, the podcast formats, the books and stuff I'm working on, which I talked about a little bit last time, um, and all those things as well. You can also call in. We had a call in on the LFM podcast last week uh, on Thursday from Armored Cell. Um, it was a little ridiculous, but it was a lot of love in that. Um, so shout out to him for leaving a pretty funny, also fuel, fueling the fire for the others shenanigans on the show. It was a hell of a time. It was a good time. Uh, but yeah, if you want to call in, you can call into one five, three, nine, six, six, four, six, eight, zero, one. Leave us a message. We'll play here live on the show. You can also check out the LFM podcast, the sister show to this show, uh, talking about greater the greater uh, game development discussions, geek uh, all those things, everything geek is basically covered there uh, with a focus on MMOs and RPGs. So if you're interested in that sort of stuff, geek culture, definitely encourage you to check it out. Thursdays, 5 p.m. right here on the same channel. Okay, you can shoot some mail to our Pathfinder grunt who's, uh, I think, getting a little fat. 
but uh, you can shoot that over to Ashes Pathfinders at Gmail, and uh, he'll get it to us sometime here in the future. Knights of the Phoenix, we are recruiting. That is the guild for this show, for the Ashes HQ domain, for the LFM podcast, for pretty much everything you see around the Phoenix fam here. So you're all welcome to join. If you're interested, shoot me a DM in Discord. Community Day is on Fridays. So if you're interested in joining all of us here on Fridays, I didn't get to participate last week, um, but, you know, Daedalus and the rest of the Knights of the Phoenix held it down and had a nice community run on uh, on Friday, even though I wasn't able to be there. Um, but yeah, we've got some fun discussions today. Um, I'm, I'm working on, I know last week we kind of talked about the new class icons that you can go check out over on uh, Ashes HQ. Those are up there. I've been tinkering with some other things, so I'm not going to say exactly what, but if you pay attention, probably by Friday or Saturday, you're going to notice something significant changed. I'm not going to say anything about it, but there you go. It's going to be up to you to find out. Our podcast is over four years old today. Actually, last week, but we're officially beyond the threshold. And I know we were going to try to get Steven on the show. Sadly, friends, he's not going to be able to join us. Um, he is like I expected and I've been talking about for months now. He and the team are very much nose to the grindstone. Um, he's been tied up doing a lot of development stuff right now. So he's not really uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of bandwidth and he's not going to be able to join. But no fear, he'll be joining us sometime prior to Alpha 2, okay? So that was already confirmed. So he's definitely going to be joining us. We just got to wait a while. And uh, that, I think, only reinforced what I kind of expected, that they are pretty deep into the thick of it, working really hard to get things developed so we can get to Alpha 2 probably as soon as possible. But quality is key, and quality over quantity has been one of the approaches that the Intrepid team has adhered to for quite some time. Um, they've been in development for five years. We've been doing this almost that long. Um, we've only been a branded actual show for like four plus years now. So hammers up to everybody that's been a part of the journey, uh, to everybody that's been here uh, throughout the the course of time. It's been a it's been a hell of a journey, and we uh, we've really only gotten started. So there's tons on the horizon, and uh, I did it. Everybody said, Sim, can you please get Alpha 1 footage up? We're craving it. We want to see it. It's a hell of a, a, a task. But um, y'all, I, I recorded everything I streamed from Alpha 1. And I said I probably would cut that up sometime to fill the gap between where we were at in Alpha 1 and Alpha 2. And this seems like the perfect time. You all want to see it. So we are up to, as of today, four parts to only the first day. They're over an hour each. They're up on the Ashes HQ YouTube. I, I would have uh, uploaded them in larger chunks, but YouTube told me, uh, bitch, please, when I tried to do the whole thing at once, it was like, you're going to try to upload somewhere between 10 and 15 hours. No, I don't think so. 10 gigabyte max. Come back with 10 gigabyte or less, and we'll talk about it. I said, all right, all right. So I cut it up. The first day, keep in mind, the first three days, which were July 9th, 10th, and 11th of 2021, that was the weekend preview. There, That is by far the most footage in each day 
to you know in itself like i think day two is like 16 hours or 15 hours right so i cut up the first day into 10 parts we're on day four today part four rather sorry day one part four so get ready you're gonna have like at least a couple months of footage going out to the ashes hq youtube so enjoy every single day i've got one launched in 3 p.m central for everybody all the way from beginning to end the good the bad the ugly so i hope that helps y'all get your fix i will probably be cutting some of that up into uh i don't know smaller content i don't know i'm gonna probably let you all guide me on what what the hell you want to see out of it but yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff there so okay so yeah I guess let's catch up a little bit. Daedalus, uh, what have you been up to since last time? I know we've got we've got a handful of things to talk about today, but why don't we dig in a little easy? Uh, sure, just mostly just kind of getting stuff ready uh, for the move and uh, the house sale here, but not mm. not a lot of gaming per se, other than the community night, which yeah. was a blast. Uh, myself, Frost, and Zod um, did some, got some new tunes going and just uh, jumped in mm. and did that initial trial like a few rounds and then ended up doing a task force with some mm. um some other folks that were just like looking to do it as well and it was a good time i think we got from level zero to level 19 in a matter of our play session so it was it was it was a ton of fun um i went more kind of dps tank ish and had some heals from Zod and um, and I believe it was a or actually no, I think it heals controls from Zod and and then I believe it was a DPS from uh, from Frost. So yeah, yeah. We, we definitely had a good time, uh, you know, uh, and uh, enjoyed ourselves. Uh, it was a little light, I'm assuming, due to the holiday weekend, but uh, but mm -hmm. it was fun nonetheless. Nice, yeah. Uh, so you've got we we've been doing articles over on Ashes HQ now too. Um, first article went up, I believe it was like, it was within a week of the developer live stream it was maybe just a few days. Cause they did theirs last month on Thursday. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah it was, it was maybe about three weeks ago. So mm -hmm. I actually, thanks for the reminder. I do have another one nice. that we plan to release on the HQ next Monday. So oh, not yeah. this coming Monday, but a week from Monday. So the 25th. So look out for that. Oh, yeah. uh, I won't I won't give any spoilers on what the topic is, mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely something that I will hint at. Um, our boy uh, uh, Slurp is going to enjoy that article, hopefully. Oh, yeah, uh, right. so, nice. uh, yeah it's, it's along those lines that gives you any indication. Right. Um, yeah, that's actually pretty exciting, man. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to it because you've done what, six uh, this five it'll five five right now that are kind of ready to go, and I'm right. gonna try to release them on a regular schedule about once a month. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get ahead with everything going on personally to make sure there was some content out there. But one thing I will say is, if you do have an idea for an article that you haven't seen yet, um, you know, please feel free to tweet me or ping me on Discord. Um, I'm Discord is Dataless. You can find me in the community uh, Discord uh, as Daedalus Ashen Herald. So appreciate any ideas you have. I'm happy to find inspiration in the community because that's 
frankly where it started so yeah hell yeah man that's exciting dude i'm super looking forward to the next one too and we've got uh, skylark the botanist who's been helping to uh curate those developer live stream notes that i was doing before um so yeah um let's see here four years man it's crazy it's like kind of mind-blowing it's been that long when i think about it right now yeah absolutely how far the the development has come too because i mean going from where we were in a0 to a1 was like a night and day difference i'm i'm expecting at least that um coming into a2 and everything we've seen so far um you know i I, ha- I I feel confident we're going to get that. Uh, you know, I know it's taken some time and mm-hmm. little patience is in order, but I think it's it's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, same, dude. Um, I guess before we dig into all the stuff and things, like you've been, you know, I try to like kind of do some sort of a highlight around our anniversary shows, right? And um yeah, it's it's kind of like at this point, I, I, I think I guess I want to get your idea of like some of your takeaways. But yeah, I guess since you've been on this show, you I mean, you've been the probably one of the the people that's been here, you know, the most out of out of everybody. You've been, you know, you're like the ride or die, you know, sort of co-host has been here for the majority of it. Right. From the Simcast days into the full rebranding and kind of going ashes pathfinders and you've been here as we've gotten ashes hq you're contributing there now i guess the question i have is when you look back at like the journey of the podcast or just like the community around the show what have been like some of your favorite moments what have been some of the biggest takeaways for you I mean, I, if I had to sum it up with one word, I'd say camaraderie. Um, I think one of the things that really mm. drew me to just investing my time uh, in the Simcast and ultimately in Ashes Pathfinders and the HQ has been the community. Just the, the, the fact that, you know, we get along really well. We are all very passionate about the game and not passionate to the point of like tribalism. It's passionate to the point of just coming up with a great product. And, and I think that level of passion and honesty um, in a community is just one of those things that I, I really gravitated towards. And I continue to, you know, look for that week on week. Um, and I get it with the podcast, with the and different, you know, community things we're doing and just, you know, touching base with everyone in the community. So, yeah, I would say there's that. Um, and I, I think, um, at least, you know, from a community standpoint, from a development standpoint, I, I mean, there was definitely a time where I, I would say I was discouraged with, you know, what was happening and lack of information. But I feel like over the course of time, I've, I felt won over again by what Intrepid is doing and, and really see that they're working hard towards a vision. They're, they're definitely doing their own thing, but at the same time, they're also listening to the community and, you know, putting that feedback into action. Um, and I do feel very confident that whatever we get at that end state, it's going to be a quality product. It may not be for everyone, and that's okay, um, as long, uh, you know, as it does adhere to the vision that the developers set out to do. And it yeah. gives an opportunity for communities like this to thrive. I think that, you know, in my opinion, is like 
guess what my key takeaways are with not only the community but but also the game as well yeah i pose the same question i want to i want to pose that same question to all of you whether you're a listener you know if you if you only really listen to this podcast and you're like on your way to work or whatever and you don't join the the live show or catch it on youtube which i always encourage people to join it live if you can but you know time zones make that difficult sometimes i totally get it uh there's just a lot more you get the full presentation live right you only get a a part presentation uh when you get to catch it later but you still get a good a good vibe and of the show and and the overall uh you know bulk of the content anyway um, but even with that being said, like my question to all of you, whether you listen, you can contribute your thoughts in our Discord over on discord.gg forward slash some org. Um, if you watch on YouTube, you can contribute your thoughts there. But I want to pose the same question to you all. And if you're here in Twitch, uh, watching on Twitch right now, uh, you know, then I'd like to know some of yours in chat too, which is what have been some of your favorite moments around, you know, this community, the show, um, you know, also for like some of the the best, you know, could be some of the funny moments, could be some of the just more epic moments. Um, your big takeaways, what's really stuck for you, maybe a big part of why you enjoy being here. Um, you know, and obviously we could piggyback off of that and talk about, you know, Ashes as well, because this is an Ashes Ash a Creation podcast. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, camaraderie is probably the one that I'm going to. I'm going to piggyback off of with what you said, because, um, you know, for me, whenever and I, I may or, this is going to be something that's going to be kind of like information for those that are newer here, maybe that are maybe they've caught like the past several episodes or they're here today or they watch a YouTube video for the first time. And and you haven't heard Sims like rant about, you know, the whole reasoning for the show and everything. I'm going to kind of give it give you my feedback and a little bit of that. But you know, this podcast was formed um, because, you know, I found out about Ashes of Creation at the end of 2016, which was basically when it was leaked. The website had been leaked and people found out about it. Army, a buddy of mine, told me about it. And he was like, he was like, hey, Rock, do you know? Oh, Rock is one of my nicknames. It was my Army nickname. So he, he was like, Rock, have you heard about this uh, this game in development, Ashes of Creation? I was like, no, nah, man. And uh, we had connected, you know, since the military. And he, uh, you know, we sometimes played World of Warcraft together and some other things and hung out and chat, you know, created a really fun uh, <laughs> PvP uh, game in Dying Light where you basically pick up, this is just a little bit of nostalgia and fun moments, but picked up uh, propane tanks and we like throw them at each other and then blow them up. And then we, one, try to hurt each other, and then two, see who got killed by the zombies that would rush you after making all the noise. So we were, like, hanging out and doing stuff like that, and he told me about the game, and I was like, no. And at that point, I was, like, super, super jaded about MMORPGs, man. You know what I mean? And I was like, I checked it out, and I was like, I talked about it a little bit last time, but I sat back and just watched Ashes, talked about it on my live streams, leading into the Kickstarter, waited till the last minute to back it. And then I was like, towards the end of the year, um, I got brought into the content creator program, the official content creator program in that December. And I was like, man, I want to do something with these talks. I want to actually try to do something regularly. And I'd never podcasted. I had never 
really done YouTube content either. I didn't really do YouTube. I was more of a just, I jumped on and streamed because, you know, back in the day, some homies were like, you should try live streaming. I'm like, all right, cool. And uh, I was not really great at it. I mean, I was, I was good at like live streaming, but I didn't like, I didn't like hone my craft or anything, right? I just jumped on and had fun and did stuff. Um, and I was like, you know what, man, I want to like really dig in and be like a proponent of a game that I'm passionate about from its inception and, you know, build community around, you know, like the camaraderie and the fun times that you can have together. Cause that's the thing to me that was always lacking as MMORPGs develop further, right? It felt more of a solo player game and it feel, it felt like it pushed people more towards using a dungeon finder or queuing for things. And that like interaction between people, I felt it diminishing. And that was the thing about an MMORPG that I really loved to begin with. Right. That was the cool thing was running across other people, helping them out, like having these cool adventures, uh, going on journeys with your friends. And I felt less and less like that was the experience outside of like getting somebody, you know, together and doing battlegrounds or doing a raid or something, you know, something like that. But that like circumstance of like oh hey what's up you like doing this too let's go do it together i was like i want to take that and i want to see if i can cultivate that as part of a show as part of like a community as the the new you know structure for a guild and everything and the guild itself you know i've gone through iterations of that i've had to rinse repeat a few times and, and right now i'm like i know exactly the way to do this i'm not deviating from it i'm staying the course i'm doing with the podcast and my big takeaway has been the camaraderie seeing people that have been here whatever point in time they heard about ashes seeing so many of the same people join in and like chatting about ashes having a good time and then during even during like alpha you'll see this like magisto he's here pretty regularly and he i like never hung out with the guy right I like never really talked to him outside of the show and stuff and we were doing alpha and he was like yo sim you want to go do this i'm like yeah let's go do it and we weren't we just ran around and killed stuff and leveled together and we just did it for the sake of like let's hang out with my homie let's do some of the stuff we're trying to do together and just have a good time and it was a blast man my only regret from that experience isn't just getting in discord with him and having him jump in there with me and chat that's my only regret about the situation but that's what i wanted to cultivate and curate as part of like the podcast and everything and you know, it's finding those people that have a similar vision who have stayed the course along the way with me. So hammers up to all of y'all who have been here, whether it's been a month or two and you're, you know, part of the community and you've been here like, you know, consistently. And that doesn't mean you're live. That means just following along and contributing and being a part of the journey as a pathfinder with the rest of us. Um, so shout out to all of y'all, man, because you all are basically you're the show, man. You're why this show's here. You're why this show is endured. If uh, I didn't have y'all along the way, I wouldn't do this. Real talk. I wouldn't, right? So hammers up to all y'all Pathfinders that have been here for the past four plus years or or even less that have that have been, uh, you know, contributing your your time, your energy and, and everything. So shout out to all y'all, man. Y'all make the show great. And really... That's why we're here in the first place. So, ah, all right. Now let's get past the feels and talk about some things. Can we talk about the fact, 
Intrepid still needs people. They're hiring. There you go. They're hiring indeed. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. If you're a developer, you got some, some experience. You think you got what it takes. You want to contribute to the journey that is ashes of creation. That's still in its infancy. There you go. Go over to their Twitter. It's at ashes of creation on Twitter as it is everywhere. Now go check it out. Go see what's up. Contribute man. And, uh, and join the cause. If you feel like, uh, it's for you, man. Um, did they fill their content creator program job post? Uh, I have no idea about that. That's a good question. They haven't really talked about it. Um, but we know that they are still, you know, they are still looking for, uh, you know, they are still open to content creators. Uh, I have a feeling though, that they probably haven't because if they had, I feel like that would have been announced at the beginning of their, uh, development live streams as they basically say, you can go and fill out a content creator, uh, application here. Right. So that, I mean, Margaret, I, Margaret's too methodical to not, to not talk about that. Um, so, you know, if, if they, they had actually were ready to announce that they definitely would have, I think. Um, but anyway, can we talk about this uh, interesting little trailer here? Do you remember last, <laughs> do you remember last, um, what was it? Last development live stream, we got to see that gargantuan behemoth of a beast yes um we'll show a better scale version of it but this cracked me up man right here do you see this right yeah i saw that i was actually trying to get that as my background but then i was like oh no it's you'll you'll miss most of it there so i went with something a little different that's funny but that is not a small boy i'm just gonna say that right now call it the negolith yeah it says a, a game by Intrepid Studios from the mind of Stephen Sharif, right? Comes this blah, 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 the negolith, right? So it's just a little funny sort of, you know, uh, teaser for like a movie sort of uh, thing. But really, they're talking about they gave you this shot at scale here. This isn't the one that I want to talk about. Can we look at the real one that I want to talk about for a daggum minute? It's this one. Hello? Hello, that is a freaking sea beast, yo. That's gonna be an alpha two. Can we talk about this for a minute? That's do you, if you're watching this right now and you're like, oh, look at those massive. There's two variations of this crazy looking fish-like gargantuan creature. It looks like it's gonna be massive. Wait, what's that little speck in front of the lower one? Oh, that's it. That's a humanoid. That's a person. That's a freaking person. That's like a zit on its chin, a really bad zit on its chin. That's what that is. <laughs> That's what you are. And he's going to pop you out in the open water. Probably could have been a better reference, but I'm sorry. That's tiny. That thing will eat yeah. you, homie. That That's like legit. 10,000 people right down the gullet in a single swallow. Look at that thing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Gulp? that... that- I don't I don't think that's going to be a 40 man ray. That looks like a 400 man ray. <laughs> Dude, like for real, that is that I didn't expect that kind of scale. That is um I don't even know what to say, but let's let's talk about that because I saw that in the dev live stream, but when they when I looked when I saw this again, I think they shared the same image, but I don't think it quite registered for me. 
Dude. Yeah. Like, how many ships or people do we think that's actually going to take? Alpha I, two? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, I, it's like I didn't honestly in this screenshot, I, I totally missed the scale reference. But then mm. when they posted that on Twitter, I think is where I saw it. I'm like, holy smokes, that is a big, big little fish. <laughs> Listen, listen in chat. Sim, we're going to have fun fighting this beast in Alpha 2. Just do me one favor. If we down it, please don't ninja loot. Listen, okay? I won't, I won't ninja loot. I will, I will have it set to master loot. Right? And there'll be a <laughs> moment where ultimate defense will be popped. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really funny about that i won't ninja loot anything hey you can ask anyone ask nathan nathan napalm from the lfm show he knows man we were doing he i don't even we were talking about this all right during the dnd our dnd campaign and he was like you know sim for as much as people say you're a ninja looter you were actually very generous with your loot you even gave me stuff that i i i was more suited for you and i was like that's because i'm all about real talk i am actually all about gearing the party evenly and focusing on making sure your healers and tanks are equipped you know, sometimes priority rise, right? Because that any smart raid leader will do that. That's like that's like basic, literally, right? So if I'm a DPS, which I probably will be a tanker healer, that's not the point. My point is, <laughs> and like it was like he's gonna master loot it. I'm a hundred percent gonna do master loot just so you all wonder what'll happen. And all I'm gonna say is we're gonna establish trust, a little bit of trust. There's going to be somebody that's going to join and go, I'm not going to do this if you're not going to, if you're going to master loot on, be like, all right, bye. <laughs> bye. See you later. You're going to probably, you're going to probably be mad or sad later when you realize I would have just barely given loot out to everybody. Yeah. I probably won't master loot though. I'll probably do like need or greed or something like that. Cause you know, it's alpha. It's not, it's not like actual raid loot, like uh progression raid loot. I'm not getting sweaty in a freaking test, dude. So I'm going to put that out there, too. If you join Knights of the Phoenix, if you jump in with the community while we're doing alpha at any stage, don't expect to be super sweaty. It's a game, not a job. I'm having fun, right? I'm just putting that out there. I'm there for the good times, man. If you're trying to, give, if you're trying to raise my blood pressure, I'm not having it. You can go sweat somewhere else. Real talk, dude. <laughs> I want to have fun. Want to have fun. People take this shit too seriously, man. Yeah. Except for when we do our progression raid night, then I'll take it seriously and be sweaty. But just then, <laughs> and only then. <laughs> There's like so. Wait, what? Sim is trying to PR his way out of the ninja loot. Strauss, I don't know what you're talking about. It's not true. It's not fair. Okay. How many actual ships do we think that's going to take to take that down? Do you think this is going to be like? Because we have 40-person raids. I feel like this is going to be like a naval raid. Like, this is going to be like a naval raid, boss. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, like, the standard, like, spells will do little to no to this guy. And you're going to need some sort of naval base siege weaponry in coordination or something. 
I know how you would, how can you even tank this thing? I mean, do you need a tank ship then? I mean, it's like I'm it's it's got my mind reeling in many good ways here in terms of how you to attack this. So definitely man uh, interesting. I I could actually see some mechanics around this, which I think we'll probably talk a little bit more about this. But this will be like a lead in point because we can talk. I think this is a good lead in conversation. I talk about world boss design and sort of like what will make that. I think, uh, you know, because what's today's show called? It's called Facing Behemoths, right? We we can summon these things to siege, right? Summoners can do this. So they can summon freaking behemoths, gargantuan creatures. Okay. They're going to exist in the world. So this is a conversation that we haven't really focused on, focused on. And I think it's a good one to talk about because we've talked about raid uh, mechanics and dynamics. But really, we've talked about that primarily in like open world raid slash really instance raiding. I've specifically talked about instance raiding um, because that's like my go to. Um, and we talk about their focus on uh, the game mechanics, like having to watch for telegraphs, having to watch for those types of things, templates, um, situational awareness being a big uh, component to the progression, right? Which means no add-ons. You're not going to get add-ons. You're not doing any of that. You're going to have to organically pay attention and do your job. Um, on something this scale, I'm going, homie, I better be able to zoom out way far for something that big. Right. In a traditional MMORPGs, like even with World of Warcraft, you could zoom like all the way out. You can get add-ons to zoom out. Something that big. Oh, I'm gonna need a better perspective. I can't be third person for something like that. You're gonna be like, dude, it's I see like a fraction of his tooth and I'm like have no idea what's going on, right? Yeah, this is true. But something of that scale, you definitely need good camera like mm. mechanics, logistics to be able to handle that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have I have a thought, though, about this. I have a feeling that, like, since we're going to have different classes of ships, I think it's going to be likely that, you know, similar to, like, the caravan system, the modular approach to, like, designing the caravans. I think this is going to be – this has been a – this has been a fundamental component to their game design, which I love, by the way. I From my perspective – organizationally that makes a lot more sense and i think that like the overall game as a whole as it's designed and developed i think unreal engine 5 is going to work really well with this approach that they've had even before when it was unreal engine 4 so fyi as a guy who's educating himself currently on or i'm, I'm literally learning game development in unreal engine 5 right now right the more i learned about it the more i realized oh this was such a smart decision staying in 4 would have in my from my perspective would have maintained a handicap on them um i still think they could have pulled it off but i think iterating and uh working on all the different layers of the game would have been a lot more taxing and i think this eliminates a lot of that taxation right um but i could see the modular design tying into ships you got your big galleon down to your little you know, a little rowboat or whatever, right? So you got like the scale, right? So you're going to have some that are going to move faster. Like they're going to be able to pick up speed quicker, have a lot more mobility um, in the middle of like a large scale, like naval content uh, raid like this, 
with something at this scale. And then you're going to have your big galleons, right? That they, they'll pick up their speed and they'll move fast too. But like, you're not going to initially gain a lot of speed right off the rip. Right. So I feel like you got maybe your more tankier classes of ships, right? You got your ships that maybe, maybe like move a lot more quickly. And then I wonder when it comes to the designs for, you know, uh, the cannons and things of that nature and what what's going to be available there that's something that's a big question mark for me um because we've seen things like potion launchers etc and we know it's going to be more magic based so kind of curious what kind of magic we're going to get we, we we've heard a bit about it we know about it being sort of like ammunition like magic ammunition but i'm actually really curious about how we may or may not see things like that tie into the combat uh, mechanics. I'm also curious about any type of ship repair on the fly, right? Like in APOC, you were going to have engineers, right? Kind of wonder if we're going to have some similar uh, Mariner class, maybe oriented around that. Cause I could see in this situation, Mariner classes and ship type being the big contributing factor, to maybe a large-scale naval raid on something this massive. But I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And I think, you know, having different... They've already talked about having different classes of ships. And depending on the class of ship, you're going to have slots that you can equip certain, like, weapons or Mm -hmm. utility equipment and what have you. So... I fully expect them to double down on that. And I mean, I think it'd be really cool. Like if you're taking on something of this size, you can't just, okay. In my opinion, it would be really boring if you don't just like stack damage, right? There's gotta be other things you're doing. Maybe you're, you know, stacking some sort of CC capability where you root or limit the movement for a, you know a set period of time like with certain weapons you stun you um you slow you do all sorts of status effects i would i would really like to see whether that's in types of ammunition or types of weaponry giving some options to mix and match strategy not only just being like a zerg thing or a dps race thing which i think just in general is inherently boring um, I mean, there may be phases where that's a thing, which I'm okay with, but if the entire fight is literally this year, you know, chipping away at a DPS sponge, I just think that's a total missed opportunity. So I do agree, like with the modular design, there's a lot of options and having different classes of ships and knowing and experimenting with what comp, just like you would with your class comp. Uh, you know, what types of ships you're going to need to take down a beast, I think would be a great way to mm-hmm. really engage players as well. It's not always like the same strategy all the time, right? You're going to have to mix and match and there might be, you know, we haven't really gotten into like the mechanics design yet, but it, it would be, you know, really interesting to me is if there's certain triggers that you're able to see as, as a player to know like what, maybe might be needed at a certain point, like what strategy might be needed and have it be something that's more dynamic in nature instead of like you get it to 20, you know, 75% and you have to do like something up to get to that point. And then at, you know, 50, you're switching to something else and then at 25, et cetera. I mean, yeah, there those are like standards way, standard ways of doing it. 
but there should be other things that make it more dynamic and in my opinion and and give you some options Mm -hmm. to flex strategy and really have the need not only for aware players but aware raid leaders so that you can kind of have that collaboration and then once you finally get this you know this behemoth down and you know it's a sense of accomplishment versus just you know who all in the party could pump out the most dps right dps should Mm -hmm. in my opinion should be just one in many factors that allow you to achieve success yeah i agree with that too i don't want it to be like just go and nuke down a creature you know i remember there was this one i don't remember the name of it but you probably remember which one i'm talking about it was like one of the weekly world bosses that would pop in legion and it was like this big like head of a creature and it would do this thing where like it would basically spin right and it would shoot out and you'd have to kind of stay ahead of it um, sometimes, sometimes people would hop on a water walking mount or whatever. They'd run around or they'd stay close to the center of the axis of the boss and sort of like rotate around. So that was cool. But you know, with something, this scale, I think really impacting is remember in alpha one, how cool, like the waves looked like, how cool would it be if like you had this thing jump up, splash, and then just like create this massive wave that you had to actually like. You know, now it like moves you around, it impacts your positioning and all those sorts of things. Now you've got like reposition, you know, tighten back up. That way he doesn't like, you know, focus down and beat another ship up too much. So I think mechanics like especially with something really large, like really impacting the waves and, you know, doing things like that are good. Maybe even like, you know, belching up some sort of like, you know, like necrotic junk that's like out on the water and you got to stay off of it or it damages the ship. Um, I saw a comment in, and I forget who it was too, but someone posted in uh, in Twitch chat as well about like summoning ads. Like for one like this, this thing looks like it could have barbs or something. Like this one looks like it could potentially, you know, like hit you with its tail, cause waves. Like you got the side, the fins on the side, you got to worry about because they look pretty big, um, kind of sharp. The top though, I could see it like, you know, rearing its head up or, you know, jumping and that's going down, shooting barbs or something out. Like, so that sort of thing would be really cool, but I'd be really interested in seeing what other people come up with too for a boss like this specifically. Um, but I think depending on the different types of, uh, you know, bosses you've got like summoning ads, which was the comment I saw in chat. I mean, something like that's a really great idea too. Um, you've got like a jellyfish or something and it like maybe creates these bubbles that pop and do damage or something. Um, that could be kind of cool, but I'd really be interested in seeing what other people think about what, what some really great like designs could be for something as gargantuan as this. Um, but it's also a good transition point to talk about massive like sea monsters to really talking about the the large scale endeavors and mechanics that when we think of world bosses really make a fight engaging like really make it feel meaningful to us make it interesting and fun because like you said in talking about this uh, a boss like this right if it's just a sponge that you're chipping away at if it's just the number you're chipping away at and that's like really the dynamic is is like a DPS check, you know what I mean? That kind of, kind of, kind of sucks. Like DPS checks are kind of cool as like part of a gateway into phases or something. Um, but overall, just like beating up, you know, a boss and just having to worry about a number kind of sucks for me. 
what would make a, a boss fight really interesting to you? What are some of those things? Yeah, I just think anything that triggers awareness or necessitates awareness in players. I mean, there's obviously like, you know, damage is part of it, kind of knowing what you need to do and at, at a certain time to maximize your your output. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also like good to just make sure that there's other ways that other classes can contribute. So um and and, and wow I'd say generally did did this well where they might have like a heal intensive fight versus a DPS fight. And there was there was some I would say some you know more unique things. I wouldn't say totally unique, but more unique things that they did mm. um you know to allow like players to get buffs by moving in a certain way or what have you. So I think those kind of things are starting to get introduced versus it being maybe a strict like DPS or positioning thing. But I think it might be cool, like, you know, some of the things that I would think would be would be neat to do is have like some sort of puzzles be involved, like some some sort of like, um, you know, machines you might need to activate or, you know, um, you know, some sort of like coordinated movement you need to do with maybe different groups within the team. So it's again, it's more about collaboration than, um, you know, than the the guy who's doing the most DPS. I mean, again, um, it, it just, it feels to me like it's been a missed opportunity in the past where they haven't doubled down on having like multiple classes have relevance in a fight and not just be like one class. So I wouldn't necessarily want the boss fights to be one note. Um, now, mm-hmm. granted, whether they do like all of that in a single fight or it's based on you know, this idea of shifting mechanics that they talked about before, which is like depending on the node level and when like the bosses spawn or the week they're in, the mechanics might be different. Or as you like, you know, beat bosses within a particular like dungeon raid or instance, right? Things change and they be maybe ramp up or ramp down depending on the difficulty. I wouldn't necessarily be as much like a fan of like ramping down per se, because that kind of, in my opinion, leads to more of like everybody gets a prize, everybody gets a ribbon type of thing. And I think that cheapens the achievement um, of actually getting a boss down. But I would like to see like some different things that might happen, some you know, unique things your classes could bring to the table um, to be able to do that. And also leverage, um, and this is something that I have discussed in the past, but again, leverage the utility of each class too. Like, for example, I mean, I think somebody mentioned it and that's what in, in chat that kind of triggered my my memory on it. But like make something like if you don't have bards in this fight, for example, you need maybe certain types of things for them to be able to do in order to truly be successful. I mean, you may still be able to eke by, but it it helps minimize that risk by having barge or summoners or something, right? I mean, I would like to see like all classes get some sort of shining moment in those boss fights, and then it may not be every single boss fight, but enough where you need to have a good mix of all classes to be able to, you know, be be successful along with obviously a requisite level of skill and awareness. All right. And so from my perspective, I think that would be 
a way to make things most interesting because it kind of gives everybody, um, you know, I don't know, skin in the game, right? To be able, you know, pardon the pun there, but skin in the game to be able to really invest their time in learning and, um, and, and give everybody like a way to feel like they're relevant. It's like one of the things that I noticed and wow, especially because that was where I spent the majority of my time is right. some classes weren't really relevant in, in, in certain encounters right? as a rule. And that just is a feels bad moment, right? Because you oh, yeah. invest anyone who has played MMOs for any extended period of time, right? are going to invest heavily in their character. And when they feel like they're no longer relevant, it just it demotivates them as a player. And so I would like that to be a consideration. Again, it may not be everything all the time, but it at least could be something where every class has some sort of relevancy or use in a fight. And it's not, you know, one one class is so outshining the rest that you just want to stack that class and the mm -hmm. rest of them are kind of, you know, left out in the, right. you know, left out in the cold. Yeah, and I saw some comments too in chat about uh, uh, basically like using harpoons. I think that's a really good mechanic because then it's like if you don't maintain the harpoons, like maybe there's like, you know, some very delicate balance to like maintaining the harpoon latching onto the target. Like if you goof that up, then it breaks, you lose one. Now you're not keeping it where it needs to be, right? But it also is like a really good mechanic for physics depending on how far they're able to go with this, you imagine like that, what the, what that boss could do to, to different ships that weren't like positioned right. Or, you know, weren't like you didn't have enough of them to harpoon it during like a phase, like having to harpoon at a phase. Then they brought up another good point, right? Which is this is, and this was one of the things I also want to talk about, right? And briefly, like we know anything out in the world is going to have the potential for open world PVP in this situation. Right. This is not, as far as we know, currently a situation that you have to sign up for, for example, castle sieges, et cetera. Right. So there's going to be a much higher probability that people are going to that PVP are going to gain corruption. Right. And I think this is one of those situations where <sighs> caution right especially if there was a boss fight where there were ads and you had people that were actually like trying to gank and go corrupt in the middle of this and you you know what i mean like fighting back like then you got like this like crazy situation where you're trying to keep it together because maybe you know you're you're not like you know you're you're not like a seasoned you know like mmorpg veteran you're like Maybe you're kind of newer, you know what I mean? You're not really super aware of like having to, you know, balance this juggling act of these are players that are flagged that are attacking me. These are, you know, these are like NPCs or the the ads and stuff that are flagged, or not flagged, but that are, that I see lit up that are attacking me. And I see these nameplate colors and it's all a lot of information for me to take in at once. I see purple, I see, I see red and I see, you know, whatever else is going on, all the spell effects. And yeah, it's like a lot for me to take into consideration. And that's super chaotic. And while that also sounds really fun, then you've got the question of things like performance and being too chaotic for people to even want to engage in it. And that to me is like 
an important element. Like that's the balancing act of complexity to something like this, to an encounter of this situation. Also to any other just world bosses in general, like take, take out of the equation that this is like a naval boss and just talk about something like, you know, some big ass dragon that's now a world boss that spawns because it was in the no, the zone of influence of, you know, like this uh, node that's this like uh, divine node up on a mountain or whatever. Right. And you like every so often get this crazy big ass world boss. you got a lot of, you know, things that are different about like a naval boss versus like a land boss. Very big difference. Um. But yeah, kind of like going back to the points here, because I kind of strayed a bit on that one. Shifting mechanic design is an imp- to me is an important thing um, with the way that they're designing their bosses, because you don't want it to feel really cookie cutter like it's really basic mechanics like, oh, there's a cleave and he screams whenever he's about to cleave. And that's kind of the that's kind of it for the complexity. Like they drop down uh, template AOE templates and circles on the ground, which we saw in alpha one, you know, there's a big cone effect. There's like the line effects, all that stuff's really cool, but you don't, you don't want it to seem like it's, it's trivial. And, and as you progress through the fight that there's not like, you know, maybe more complex things to look out for that are going to, you're going to have to really be calling out. What are some good examples of those types of mechanics that, maybe we've seen in bosses that people have had to manage or groups have had to manage that really took it to another level in terms of mechanics where, you know, like add-ons aren't really concerned. Cause I can think of a few and really good ways that they were done. Do you have any thoughts right off the rip? Um, I mean, like personally, and, and this is like from my experience, I feel like while I, I enjoyed having add-ons in World of Warcraft. I think at the end of the day, it did, it did kind of take the, some cases take the fun out of it. I think as frustrating as it was to die like early on as you were progression rating, um, I did actually like the fact that you, in those cases, right, it may have been before an add-on was created to be able to like counteract that and you kind of had that like oh crap moment when the party just got wiped on a dime um so i think like having things like that that aren't necessarily like one shotters but um like just because but at least having like something where you have to experiment with different techniques um i mean i can't think of like anything like off the top of my head that um isn't like more cookie cutter in nature i'll be honest given my experience but I mean, obviously, things having to do with positioning was like um, one where you like the tank yeah. needed to be in front of the boss and the, you know, the party needed to be behind. And then sometimes that might switch it up or some sort of tank swap mechanic or, um, you know, something like that, I think would be pretty standard to, to have. Mm-hmm. But maybe certain parts of the fight where resistance resistances shifted or weaknesses shifted, I think would be mm-hmm. good, too. Um, I'm just kind of having something like that where people need to think on their feet. Um, one of the other things that I thought of actually, as you were talking and we were talking about like shifting mechanics is one of the things that I've never really seen in world boss fights in any game that I think would be really cool is somehow using the environment as well. 
Yes. I'm, one of the things that I was thinking of is like if you did have like maybe a some sort of world boss that spawned in a certain area of Vera where there were some ruins and maybe some monoliths or something, maybe not necessarily like within close proximity of the boss, but maybe like something that took a minute to get from zone A to zone B. What if in certain points you needed to have a small party that was going up and taking over this obelisk and activating this thing that was going to help weaken the boss? It may not like kill them outright, but yeah. it will give them like some sort of weakness for a certain period of time. And you had to maintain like hold that ground with this other party. And I think there's been some things like that within the instance and in wow. Like where there's like maybe different planes where you had half the party fighting in one plane and the other half of fighting oh, in another yeah. like phase. I think those were interesting things that WoW yeah. really did with it. Um, I like that. And again, just like anything to do with like thinking and puzzle solving and um, that kind of thing, uh, you know, just keeping the things dynamic. I mean, I would say I did have like my most recent experience in WoW with, with Shadowlands there were some pretty interesting boss fights and it was because it kind of had like certain things you needed to do or not do in order to keep the party alive. Um, and having some sort of like time component to the mechanics as well, mm -hmm. ramping up damage, you know, um, empowering abilities in certain phases. I think all of that just really contributed to a fun experience. Now, granted again, right. Some of that, by the time, like, my particular guild got to it, yeah. um, it was like, whoa, hey, guys, just download this add-on or download this weak aura, and then you'll know when XYZ is happening. I mean, I'm not, you know, thankfully not expecting something like that in, mm -hmm. in um, Ashes of Creation. But having in a way to, like, figure that out, I think there's definitely got to be some telegraphs that you'll be able to see or something but to the point you made earlier right it shouldn't be like the same thing all the time right it should right. be something different and depending on what's going on you kind of have to decipher that you know solve that puzzle like what's happening in the world and what what impact does this have and have it be logical um and and tie into again what what's happening what you've explored you know what is happening in the story, you know, what kind of quest you're on. I mean, it could be any number of things, I think. You know, in World of Warcraft, what my favorite raid was because of just all the, like this was the direction if WoW rating had continued going, I think would have, I think it would have been so good long-term. And a part of me is very sad. I never saw it happen again. Old War. Oldowar was such a good opportunity for raiders. Like it was large raid with different wings, right? It was open. It opened over time. The hard mode component to that was what I thought was so amazing, right? Cause you had your 10 and your 25 person raids. And then depending on it wasn't you just flipped a switch you could go in there you know what i mean and do 10 or 25 and that was like your switch between difficulty levels in some regard but really i just look at that as more of like what you have more room to get away with versus not 10 person you don't have as much you can get away with 25 you can but there's like also a requirement on numbers for those that are different um but the hard mode component there's no hero there's no heroic old or 
There's no heroic Old War. It's just Old War 10 or 25. And if you want the more difficult um, elements of a fight, you have to engage it based on the circumstances of the fight that you choose to engage or not engage in. So it's complete. That is player agency in raids. A hundred percent. Right. So this is where World of Warcraft in raiding could have continued to capitalize on player agency and failed to do so. And it was a damn sad situation to me because if they had, could you imagine what raiding in that game would have been like if they had taken that style of system and like taken that and move forward with it? Oh man, it would have been so good. <clears throat> you had a lot of different mechanics in there and you saw this in other areas. So um, soaking damage, soaking is a really good one where you got to stack a lot of people. And if not enough people are there to stack, you can't absorb the damage and split it up between people. Right. Um, healing checks are kind of healing and damage checks and tank mit damage mitigation checks are, I think important, but I think in a minor way, I think those are more of like checks for content as opposed to mechanics for me. Because uh, if you, you know, if you're there to take so much damage and you can't take it because of this, that's not the mechanics. That's you and your equipment like uh, across the board, which also I want to take a moment to say, lol at all of the fell tanks in World of Warcraft were at the Lich King who thought that stacking stam was the way to go. You fools, you sheep, you fools that chose to do it and stack into that or stack into health. Or it was, it was health. I'm sorry, not stamina. It was health, right? They didn't do anything for like dodge or parry or damage mitigation or anything at all. You're just like, you're like, look at me with all my health. And then they went in there and they just get like one tapped and you're like, you're one of those fools. Your gear sucks and you know, it and you don't know what you're doing you're just looking at a number thinking it makes you bigger better and better and it doesn't okay i digress let me let me reel it back dot damage that progresses you mentioned tank swapping one of the one of the mechanics in wrath of the lich king in and this is one that i actually was able to i was very proud lady death whisper that fight after that launched was so good because what happened in that fight was the tanks if you held her right she progressively put a dot on you and this dot would lower your effectiveness in using and basically threat generation including taunts and, and generating hate etc and this was a very tricky fight and i rem i was very proud this is my I've probably talked about this for those who've been around a while and I'm going to do it again because this is nostalgia as hell for me and I love it. You had her putting you two tanks. The main tank died. I don't know what he did, but he made a mistake and he got cut down really quick, probably stacking a lot of health. But anyway, and he got killed and I'm sitting there and it's not a solo tank fight because if the tank progressively gets more each stack that you get at this, this uh, debuff, right would lower your threat generation and the boss would either just go off and start killing people like huntards were the, usually the next on the list so if you get if, if you could get the hunter to misdirect on the tank their aggro is the tank's aggro so i i utilized 
the hunter as a off tank to help me to maintain the like to get keep the hate on me long enough for us to kill the boss and it was like an amazing moment because mechanically that was a really interesting fight right if you didn't do things just right you weren't going to pull it off we pulled it off against the odds later on in that in that actual raid you got to Cindergosa and Cindergosa had had all that Fucker, number one. I'm going to say, I'm dropping an F-bomb. F Sindragosa. Is anybody else stuck on that biatch for like a month straight with your face in the damn ice? You know? Because if one person effed up, you all paid for it. And we did it. We did it. No lock rock for you. <laughs> That's funny shit. We're talking about another game, but this is relevant to Ashes because these mechanics are interesting. And, and the thing is, is we use add-ons, right? But if you just paid attention to what she said, right? She was telling you what the phases were, right? Her, her dialogue, her voice dialogue in the fight told you exactly what mechanics were taking place and you paid attention. You knew you were going to either need to go line of sight, get behind the ice so you didn't get killed. You knew the tanks had to swap. You knew she was going up for an air phase. Same thing for the Lich King when you went and fought him, right? You would gain, I forget what it was. It was like corruption, right? Or whatever. And there was like, you had to be careful about the dots, right? There was even achievements related to the dot management and that stuff would spread, you could actually spread this corruption to others. The plague, or for what it was called exactly. It's been yeah, ages. The plague, I'm pretty sure. Oh my gosh, dude. That was great, too, because like positioning was key, communication was key, and like, you know, healing and cleansing and things like that at the right moments were also key. Um, rip, rip the dream, because after that, uh, rating just kind of went downhill for me. It was like, this is not all that great. But these were great examples of mechanics that I think you can utilize an MMORPG that Ashes could capitalize on. And all you need, even if all you got is chat bubbles and you're just paying attention, you know what I'm saying? You can, you can capitalize on these types of mechanics and situational awareness. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice clip. <laughs> chat. <laughs> Biotech. <laughs> Biotch. <laughs> oh, that's good. Anyway, the raiding, I, I love to raid an MMORPG, and sadly, I haven't really done a raid in a long time that I felt very satisfied with. I mean, I, honestly, Legion raids, I, they weren't that great. I did them, right? I, I grinded them. I did the mythics and, and worked really hard for the sake of, you know, trying to be a badass. And I was. I felt really good and had felt prestigious and everything. It was great to look at your stats. See, you were one of the, one of the top paladin tanks in your server. It was really nice. It was a good feeling. But the fights weren't that enjoyable. If I'm going to have real talk, it wouldn't. They weren't that enjoyable. Everything felt very much kind of another one of the same. Dressed up the same mechanics with, you know, different visuals and things like that. You just call it something different. A swipe turns into a pummel. You know, you're like, oh, okay. I mean, it's not really different. Um, but the thing about all of those types of mechanics is that it requires a lot of communication and coordination. And for me, in Ash as a Creation, if, if that's what they can capitalize on, 
you don't need you don't need a freaking add-ons, right? You you can make right. it interesting. Um yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, but I got a, a follow-up point about that here shortly in regard yeah, to Yeah, no, I mean, I think that makes sense. Like is is the more we can like have the developers just, you know, I'm going to put it kind of a weird way, but have more faith in the players. Uh I think is probably like what the way I would put it cuz a lot of times in like with with WoW, right, there was you know, depending on the the tier of the raid there was you know definitely like varying levels of skill that was required and i think because you had so many different like ways to do the same fight that were essentially like dumbed down up to what they expect to be the top tier it just made it very um difficult to upskill players as a whole because you just had people that were there to coast because they were used to coasting in like something like a raid finder. Um, and it didn't, again, with all the add-ons, you just kind of chip away slowly and slowly and um, at, you know, the skill level required to really maintain a boss. And I think that just ended up making, you know, making the encounters less and less interesting because there was some dumbing down stuff. And, and, and even that, then you have like kind of the opposite problem is like, you know, things from a developer standpoint, they're like, oh man, you know, this is too difficult for the players. We want them to like succeed at some point. So they would kind of go back and reset it. Not to say that braid bosses, et cetera, don't need tuning, but I think there is, you know, there is a, a fine balance to, you know, enabling like, lack of player engagement and and building interesting boss fights and and having it be like different skins on the same mechanic each time i mean do something truly unique and and while i was not um i think i caught the tail end of wrath of the lich king in terms of like rating um i did not necessarily experience like old war in its full glory but just even kind of going through that for transmog runs and whatnot i mean that was totally a, a fun experience and knowing that there was maybe different kinds of gear you can get by doing it in hard mode the fact you could use like vehicles to kind of help through a fight it just it made the entire progression part really interesting um and I would like to see that type of thing incorporated into Ashes of Creation raids, right? Just not having it always be kill trash, kill boss, right. kill trash, kill ads, kill boss. You know, that kind of thing where it's it's a, it's a never-ending loop. There's got to be, like, different things. One of the things that I think WoW did kind of well is it gave you, like, an idea of what the boss mechanics were with the trash. And sometimes... In all honesty, the trash was harder than the boss, which right. I never really got that yeah. um, that piece. But maybe if they weren't, it wouldn't necessarily reinforce the fact that you really got to friggin' pay attention. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's there's got to be like a way to do that, and and maybe it's not necessarily even in mobs you're fighting. It might be like things you have to discover in the raid itself, like deciphering a text or you know, having one of your classes do a certain ability in a certain area 
to mm-hmm. uncover like what's the secret to this boss and that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a hundred percent successful but at least it gives you a leg up right or you might need an artifact that you find in order to unlock this boss right and it's it's like a bonus boss or it's something again where you can like in old war you can unlock a hard mode right if you have this certain artifact um or you do the dungeon in a certain sequence or sorry the raid in a certain sequence there's just definitely ways to make the experience a lot more dynamic and still making it fun without like over over complicating it right because if there's too much going on then it's information overload but it's 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 just really about kind of balancing things that we maybe find less interesting but might still be required in small spurts in in the fights with something that's more engaging and interesting that requires players to actually think to achieve yeah and i saw i saw some follow-up uh talks about like you know quests for legendaries the reason i was saying some people were like they like the quest for uh, uh in wrath of the lich king to start legendaries i liked the idea of the of, of having a quest that you were going on Right. Kind of. It's it's sort of the same for like I remember the uh, what was it? The Wind Waker or not the Wind Waker. Oh, my God. Thunder Fury. Sorry. I was thinking Zelda a lot this weekend. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was like Thunder Fury because you kind of would go talk to the elemental and it was like, hey, here's what you need. You know what I mean? And you go and you it, but you didn't really get that until something dropped for you. And that was like kind of cool. And then in Wrath, I felt like we were going to have something similar to that. But then we didn't. It, it was more like whether you were doing the Alduar weapon or you doing like Ice Crown Citadel for like the Death Knights and stuff and for the, you know, or basically uh, strength people. You could get that. Um, what was it called? Uh, it's not Shadowmorn. Is it Shadowmorn? Yeah, it was yeah. Shadowmorn. Yeah, yeah. Shadowmorn was the one. Um, but you'd have to be going after Shadowmorn. It was like you collected a certain amount of whatever to progress. And when I look back on that, I feel like what we saw was their early iteration of where we were at in Legion with items, right? I feel like that was them beginning to veer away from legendaries as they existed in the game into everybody gets this really badass item. Yeah, the Oprah design. Yeah, 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 yeah. Still haven't gotten Invincible. I actually got Invincible, uh, what was it like? I don't know, it was like several months after uh, we were into like Kata or something. But dude, I farmed that so much on multiple characters. I was that guy that went in and soloed the damn thing for the most part. Maybe got a buddy for a boss or two where it was still difficult or something. If I could solo it, Death Knights could solo pretty much everything. That's like, I could solo the majority. Dude, I got Alar finally right before I got Invincible. I was like, seriously, Invincible dropped that much faster than Alar did? Alar took me ages. I needed it and I wanted it. And it's sad I don't even play that game anymore because I refuse to. But we were talking about quests around legendaries. And I think that's a good veering into. I saw someone talking about class quests. I love class quests. I love it. It's so it feels like such an enriching experience to have something specific to your archetype or class that only you and your fellow, you know, companions that are in that same school are able to go down and sort of like share in that journey together. It also incentivizes you to potentially play other classes if you have the time to do so. Uh, if you want to explore that sort of stuff, 
like you know what i mean there was like the warlock mount there was the paladin uh mount as well there was kitty form for the druid i i say that because in other mmorpgs i played i really didn't get a whole lot of that i guess all the most in that mmo that i played um you did get it in other mmos too i remember Swartor had a lot of that it was a big part of Swartor because there was very much things were very specific in a lot of ways for your narrative around your class and sort of that class journey that you were on um but when you think about like the narrative element right like in talking about a behemoth you know i, I think it's cool when there's like a story that sort of ties into a world boss or or even a raid boss in an instanced raid um so even if we're talking about the negolith that's going to be out in the water for me it would be a missed opportunity to not tie some story to help enrich the meaningfulness of that being in the world even if there's a person like i don't care about the story i'm gonna skip through it i just don't kill the boss and loot it fair enough but for the people that don't want to do that the people that are like whoa what's going on what am i going over here for how is me taking this out going to help the you know the community i'm a part of or the the node or whatever and if i'm not a part of that node like how is me uh how how is it that i as another person that helps take out this negolith because imagine this thing was what if this thing spawned by an island node dude can you imagine taking something like this over in a freaking with a monster coin uh that would be crazy that you know? would be crazy yeah. have a castle on the shore and you're able to like impact the walls by the water or something just an idea I'm not saying that'll happen but um but yeah talking about narrative design what makes for a good class quest What's resonated the most for you in some of your past gaming experiences? And and even if it's been great, what, what could have made it better or more meaningful? Um, I mean, I would say like the one that I always gravitate to is similar to you, right? In, in terms of like World of Warcraft being my kind of primary, most memorable class quest experience. And, and I think what made it really good for me is there was some i would say some heavier engagement in the lore of the world and the lore behind the class i think that was a key thing and it also meant you needed to use your specific abilities in order to progress and the thing that i specifically remember is well at the time i mean they don't have them now but at the time paladins had these different seals that would have these different effects that they would use and depending on what mobs would spawn you needed to use these seals and use a spell called judgment which essentially like blows up the seal and like you know stuns all these mobs and that again that whole back and forth made that fight at the time right very intense yeah um and this yeah exactly i you know let's or you know said it Mm -hmm. best here seal swapping was fun right because it gave you some choice it gave you some strategy um but that that to me was like i think the most like engaging part of it is because you went into a certain dungeon you did like a ritual you really i really felt like a paladin like even though there was other things about the paladin that i wasn't necessarily like totally engaged with this class quest was definitely one of them because it, it it made me it made me play into the fantasy of who my character was as a class a lot more 
It made me think about what my abilities were. It made me learn more about the lore and the story and what my place was in the story. Now, granted, um, it didn't feel as much at that point that it was like, okay, you're the hero of the story. It was more like you are one of a brotherhood here. And so I would hope that Ashes of Creation kind of takes that kind of thing is that, you know, we're all players that have a place in the world. We are not necessarily like the savior or the, you know, Mm -hmm. the the top tier person because everybody can't be the top tier person. But we could be still we could still have a cause. We could still have a purpose. And so that would be where I would say would be the like the most um engaging narrative design is really kind of hitting those different things for me is like lore identity you know and and frankly just knowledge of your class and how to play it i think that would be you know my like my three things that would really make sense in in terms of you know a good class quest yeah, I agree with that, man. Like, I think to me, it's just that I, I did that. It's that camaraderie element. I feel like we're coming back around to what we actually sort of led the show talking about in regard to some of our favorite parts of this this journey we've been on here. We both hit on camaraderie. And that was the thing that you had a stronger feeling of. At least I did in that period, because you said, you know, you're part of this this community, like this brotherhood or, you know, this like the paladin school and also in regard to paladin the seal swapping was so good like that actually if you played dnd the world of warcraft paladin did feel a lot like you felt that like there was the vengeance like a retribution rather so you had like a ret paladin and a holy paladin and you know what i mean you had your prop paladin so you, you that feels like i didn't realize in the moment because i didn't play dnd at all I didn't realize in the moment how much of that felt like it was there. And the seals were a great example. I mean, there was a lot about that, that, you know, even like the active abilities too, like the idea of like blessings were there. So like you go and you look at a lot of the other class uh, dynamics too. And you think about what happened in, in cataclysm. Yeah. It was a cataclysm. All right. For the whole game, not for the world, the game. Right. Because there were so many mechanics that were a lot of fun that existed that just got removed, took away the depth for the characters. You know, you didn't get any more of that dynamic in the quests anymore where you felt like, you know, you're part of this community of of fellow paladins or fellow mages or whatever, like a a school of magic or, or any of these things where you're like, oh, this is really cool. What I'm focusing on it, it. I feel more tied to this social organization or something in the world that exists that now I'm kind of tied into because this was my path, my chosen path with my class for my character and the narrative elements that exist exist for me because of this choice I made and now I have this social organization or something that I'm tied into. So we've we've seen in Ash as a creation how there have been a lot of references to social organizations that exist even aside from the Traders Company, Mages Guild, Thieves, right? Thieves Guild and the 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 Scholars Academy or whatever, right? I say Mages Guild, you know what I mean? Scholars Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But there's those three we know about that we heard about in the Kickstarter. But there were also other ones that have been that have been referenced in things like cosmetic uh, sets and stuff. We've gotten some in little uh, little story blurbs. Um, we hear about a traveler in some journal article or whatever that references like an element or time in the past. So there's other social organizations that exist in the game. I actually am very hopeful that because we know of the social organizations like that I mentioned that are ones that, you know, like I said, Scholars Academy, Traders Guild and Thieves Guild, right? We know about those or sorry, Trader Company, Scholars Academy, Thieves Guild. There you go. We know about those three. But I am actually very hopeful that those are just in addition to maybe social organizations that our characters can align with as a result of our archetypes and class combos. Um, I agree. So then I think the question I have maybe for you and kind of my own thoughts is how can they do that in a way that doesn't trivialize that experience? What would the things be? Well, not create a class hall. sorry (laughs) we're only allowed in here to this instance place if you're a paladin or whatever yeah yeah i mean i just because i felt like that that mechanic alone where it was just an instance and only you could be there i mean i think it sounded great on paper but i do feel like you know you have to be part of a larger world so don't make those class areas be like exclusive like allow other players to kind of see what it's all about maybe there's quests in there you can do even if you're not that class but also it have it be like a good open world hub for those that chose to go down that path um i think it, it just it's a total missed opportunity to make it an instance it's cut off from the world so I think that would be a great way to achieve identity. And and also, you know, I think little lore tidbits within those class areas would be great too. Like different books you can research and read. I think one thing that Elder Scrolls did really well in the games and in the MMO too, um, I kind of I've seen and experienced myself is just having those little bits of lore that you discover. Uh and maybe have breadcrumbs like in that particular, you know, class area that will allow you to maybe pursue like, you know, a, a better weapon or a particular set of armor. Right? It may not necessarily be like a legendary breadcrumb, but it could be, you know, something else um, that is like still decent gear that you might require like interaction with the world interaction with other players that might be able to craft said item. I mean, I think there's just so many opportunities here you can get by not making that class area, um, you know, an instanced area, right? Make it be something that all players can experience. Cause as you said, right, it might motivate people to try different classes. And that that kind of thing, right? I mean, MMOs don't get sustained if everybody's locked into just one type of class, right? They want to be able to see how things um, progress with other glasses. I think that's one of the things that really, um, you know, fed my like alt addiction in like games like SWOTOR is is I 
kind of set out wanting to play a certain type of character. I wanted to play a DPS Jedi. And then I started hearing about these other stories that these other players were like engaging in as part of the, you know, their their mm-hmm. class quest, if you will. And it got me really curious. And I ended up making a bounty hunter. And I ended up making, you know, um ended up making an operative and all, all these other ones because I wanted to experience the story. And I think that's that kind of thing, that kind of exposure is just, it's just good for the community overall because it gives you a way to storytell. Uh, and, and that's, I think, you know, in addition to like camaraderie and as you're sharing information, the ability to tell stories and make your own stories, I think is something that also really drew me to Ashes of Creation. The fact that every server could have its own story. I mean, just imagine the possibilities there with your server unlocking different mm-hmm. parts of the lore, but you having potentially a hand in that in some form or another with, you know, learning more about your social organization or your class organization and so on. Yeah. I like the the discussion you said about leaving breadcrumbs to sort of enrich the story. That is something that the Elder Scrolls online uh, as an MMORPG has done really well. They do a great in the, uh, in the you know single player games as well but yeah that that was that was really good because you go and do like your main story quests and stuff and then like if you went back later and did like a side quest and you actually talked to somebody in maybe a similar area or if you do it along the way which i actually if you're big into story and you do it along the way a lot of the times i find that it it um enriches the main story uh, that these side quests might also have a tie into, even though you may not interact with that specific, you know, plot line that's sort of playing out there in that narrative design, you like still are able to get a little bit more information about like maybe this enemy organization of rogues that you've been going to help take out. And you, you know, then maybe you finally serve justice to to those people that were hurting people or stealing from the community or whatever. And you go and you talk to like, this peasant out in like a farm area and they're talking about how like, you know, they've lost a lot of things to like these raiders, you know, and there's a specific one that's out over here and you go and you take that person out. And then you also maybe come back and going, yeah, by the way, um, I helped take out the greater organization too. And then maybe that ties into like different uh, opportunities for uh, quest dialogue, which this you see a lot in the Elder Scrolls online. Now I know we're not getting voiced dialogue for quests, at launch and it sucks and i feel you on that because i like that sort of thing i'm hoping it gets added later but remember they've got uh, homie who did the narrative design for the quest and stuff in eso who's on the team now so it's gonna be interesting to see uh how that might actually help sort of like further elaborate on what the quest could look like, because uh, even if we're just reading through it, you don't get that voice dialogue. You can still get like a lot of really great story out of a game like the Elder Scrolls online, even if all you play it for is story, Um, you know, but other games like Mass Effect are a great example. Sortor is a great example of that to where you have like tie-ins based on the kind of decisions you make. Um, So super interesting to see if we're going to get, something with that level of depth. I mean, selfishly, I hope so because of the fact that we're not going to get the voiceover, which I kind of enjoy, Uh, but I also can get attached to the voice, 
the voiceover character voices and stuff. So then if they change later, that gets a little weird. But <clears throat> anyway, um, so I think that we I, I was contemplating potentially doing a tie in to talking about classes and how they feel. I think maybe I want to save that for next time, because I feel like piggybacking off of the whole discussion on narrative and class quests and stuff, and maybe digging into the way a class feels. There's like a lot about that, that we could talk about in one show. And I think I'd like to actually talk about that a little bit uh, next time. Um, so anyway, as always, we do the Pathfinder post show most days after this podcast. So if you ever listen to this, um, I don't post these on YouTube. I don't post them anywhere. But if you're here live for the show or if you go check the Twitch VOD later, the, the broadcast, not the highlight, um, the live VOD, you'll actually get to see the Pathfinder post show, which I basically chat with you all in the community, gather feedback, thoughts around the show, discussion points. We maybe didn't explore more, things like that. So always stick around for the Pathfinder post show after the podcast. But Daedalus, you have any other thoughts about anything we talked about you want to make sure we like elaborate on? Felt pretty good. No, we actually covered quite a bit. So yeah, a really, really good show. But no, nothing further from me. Yeah, great. Yeah, and uh, friends, we're gonna wind this one down. We'll do the Pathfinder post show shortly. So stick around if you're interested. Uh, for all of you that are watching this on YouTube um, or catching it live and audio, always encourage you to join us here if you're able to. 5 p.m. Central here on Twitch.tv forward slash Samorg, where our community hangs. Uh, you can join us on discord.gg forward slash some morgue as well. Be sure to check out asheshq.com and the Ashes Pathfinder podcast covering Ashes of Creation Development Weekly. Daedalus, why don't you shout out your domains where people can catch you when you're not on the show, homie? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at The Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash The Ashen Herald. And friends, much love to y'all. Four plus years so far. We're going to continue to stay the course as always. Um, we got some, again, check out the, uh, check out Ashes HQ this week. Look for something new. And I'm not going to say what, but there might be a bit of a surprise to the person who finds out what it is first. Good luck with that. It is going to be there. It will be obvious, but you'll have to find out. And as always, we might be at the end of today's show. But in closing, got to remind all of you that whether you listen to the podcast, watch it on YouTube, catch us here live on Twitch, you two are an Ashes Pathfinder. Much love to all of you. Much love to Intrepid Studios. And until next week, live your best lives. Walk in the light, friends, and have a great night. We'll see you again real soon. Take care, everybody.